When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, Raider Nation? Matt Holder from Silver and Black Bride here. The Raiders are going to get an opportunity to play on primetime this week, taking on the Kansas City Chiefs on Monday Night Football. So for this week's Behind Enemy Lines podcast, please welcome back Steven Serta from Arrowhead Pride. Steven, thanks for coming on, man. How you doing? I'm fantastic, Matt. I really appreciate you having me back. I'm excited for this Monday Night Football game. Um, I'm talking myself into being a little bit worried about it, even though I don't know if I should be with the way they just looked against the Buccaneers. So we'll see. Yeah, we'll get into that in a second. I mean, I guess we'll just dive into it right now. I mean, obviously the Chiefs are coming off a huge win against the Bucks. Looked honestly dominant, like you talked about. Like I know you're confident. I'm worried. I'm nervous. So how are you feeling? Uh, how are you feeling about the Chiefs heading into this season and this game and the season? I guess. I think I was pretty confident coming into the season uh, about where they are and, you know, not having Tyreek Hill now, but like having Patrick Mahomes. And I think their overall pass catcher depth is better than it has been the last few years. They just don't necessarily have like that star outside of Travis Kelsey. And I think we've seen that so far through the first month of the season is that Mahomes is just going to spread the ball around as much as possible. And, try to get it to and Andy Reed's going to scheme things up for guys to get open. And then hopefully Travis Kelsey just continues to be dominant no matter what defenses <laughs> try to do to slow him down. Um, so I, I am feeling good. Uh, I, I think that Tampa Bay is a really good team and they're dealing with a ton of injuries right now, but we saw what their passing offense can do once Brady gets all those pass catchers back. And, you know, he had them on Sunday night and they still put up 31 points, even in an impressive showing by the Chiefs. But I think that had to do more with Brady just finally being like, OK, we're just going to throw the ball 50 times tonight and we got these pass catchers. But overall, I think being three and one through the first four weeks of the season. And, you know, I remember at the beginning of the season where we were talking about Chiefs have the hardest schedule to open the season in NFL history through the first seven weeks. So, I mean, being three and one through those first four weeks makes you feel pretty good, even though their one loss was just an awful, atrocious loss to the Indianapolis Colts. Yeah, it, it's frustrating being on the the other end of it because it's like I, I respect what the Chiefs are able to do because it's like everything else changes. And the more things change, the more things stay the same, whatever. And the Chiefs are still at the top. And I'm like, man, like. Yeah. It just gets irritating to be on the other end of it, but obviously, you know, you got your big, uh, your big shitty grin over there, so I can see see how much <laughs> you're loving it. But, but I do want to bring up the Colts game that you just talked about. We could talk about Patrick Mahomes and how great he is, but that's obviously honestly going to be boring because everybody talks about that. I want to know where he struggles. What do the Colts do to keep him in check? So. Gus Bradley, who is well known for not making adjustments and we you know, know Raiders fans. Yeah, we, like we, we saw in their performances against the Chiefs last year, like, you know, he Patrick Mahomes absolutely shreds Gus Bradley's defenses because he just doesn't make adjustments and he relies so heavily on his pass rushers to get pressure and help the secondary out. And he finally made some adjustments against Patrick Mahomes and, and it worked a little bit. I I still don't put a huge emphasis on like 
what Gus Bradley did is what slowed the Chiefs enough for them to win. Like the Chiefs were just awful that game. Like it, it seemed like they were totally overlooking the Colts and, you know, the Colts kind of backs against the wall had looked absolutely awful in the first two weeks of the season and looked awful last week against the Tennessee Titans, which makes that loss even more inexplicable. But <laughs> the Chiefs had like five game changing special teams plays that were just awful. It was the worst chief special teams performance in the Dave Tobe era. And it's not even close. And so I, I think that helped kind of turn the tide a little bit in that game. Whereas like Gus Bradley made some adjustments. So maybe the chiefs weren't totally prepared for it, but they still easily could have won that game if it wasn't for their special teams costing them every time they took the field in that game. So I don't think the Colts necessarily did anything that was so drastic that I'm like, that's the blueprint to beat the chiefs or something like that. I just think that it was such a bad performance by them that it's going to be hard to replicate that. Like, I don't think the Colts did any one thing. It was just like the chiefs were totally disinterested in playing a good football game that day. So what you're saying is the key to beating the chiefs is to sit around and hope that they just beat themselves. Yeah. Well, and (laughs) I think it's been an issue for them over the last several years where they kind of show up disinterested sometimes and they were, they've been so good for so long that we, they would go on long stretches the last couple of years where we'd be like, well, Spags defenses, you know, they don't, they tend to start the year struggling and then they figure it out about midway through the year, which hasn't actually been the case this year, but then the offense would also look disinterested at times. Tyreek Hill would have a bunch of costly drops or whatever, or, you know, Mahomes would have last season, they were having huge issues with turnovers early in the season, but they were all like fluky turnovers where the ball would just go through a wide receiver's hands and get intercepted, or there'd be a costly fumble at at a bad time in the game or something like that. And it's been a big issue for Andy Reid teams in general playing like this kind of to start the year early on. And so I think as long as they show up and play like this game against the Bucks was obviously really big for Mahomes and Brady and Mahomes wanting to even the score against Brady and them losing in the Super Bowl and all of that stuff. But they have to show up interested and willing to execute and they don't always do that. So, yeah, some of that, some of it is that, but that's not to say they can't just be out coached and out schemed and, and, and things like that. But when they show up like they did against the Bucks and like they really want to play, I, I think they're one of the harder teams in the NFL to beat. So I kind of want to circle back to Mahomes for a second. Obviously, you brought up leaving the the departure of Tyreek Hill. I'm curious. I you know I noticed, and I think you even mentioned it. Like he, Patrick Mahomes, has been spreading the ball a little bit more. Has that been one of the biggest changes without Tyreek Hill? And are the Chiefs kind of missing that like go to guy that, that that can just kind of go win and go win deep? Yeah, I, I would say. It hasn't totally cost them yet, but I think as we get further into the season and you you know this, Matt, like this, this has kind of been a weird, weird year offensively because generally in the NFL, like offensive scoring starts out really high at the beginning of the season. Right. And then you get, you get more tape, you get more tendencies of what these teams have spent the off season installing and you can diagnose that. And then scoring tends to take a dip. Once we get to the middle back end of the year, because there's just more tape, there's more scouting and you can try to diagnose as a defensive coordinator what's going on. And so I, I don't think that not having a go to like deep threat, big play guy has necessarily burned them yet. I think it's going to burn them at some gotcha. point because, you know, Travis Kelsey was unstoppable against the Bucks, and he's been absolutely incredible. And I mean, he's a Hall of Fame player like Travis Kelsey is Travis Kelsey. You're 
gonna try to do what you can to slow him down but on, on a week in week out basis he's got as good a chance as any pass catcher in the nfl to go off against anybody but everybody else is just kind of a dude like juju has not been that impressive he's probably mahomes go-to wide receiver if i had mm-hmm. to pick one right now but like he just kind of looks like a dude out there like he's a possession wide receiver he doesn't look like he's that explosive anymore doesn't look like he's gonna you know, take the top off the defense the way we saw him do his first couple of seasons in Pittsburgh. Like, I just don't think he's that guy. And I do think there was a lot of thought going into Marquez Valdez Scantling is like a guy who maybe Green Bay just didn't use him properly. Maybe there's another level that his game goes to. And I was sitting here saying like, and if you can't be consistent with Aaron Rodgers, like, I don't know who you're going to be consistent with. And he has not been consistent at all. Like last week against the Bucks was his best performance of the season. He only had a handful of catches. Like it's not like he he went out there and had a 70 yard touchdown or something like he, he has just not been very impressive. And McCall Hardman dealing with the heel injury. I still think he could have a bigger role in the offense and he is probably their most explosive wide receiver. But I mean, we know who McColl is at this point. Like he's not a consistent pass catcher. He's not a consistent threat. And so I'm not willing to ever rely on him to say like, we got to get more out of him, you know? And the only other guy really is sky Moore, who finally got worked in the offense a little bit. And I think that some of that has to do uh, with the McCole Hardman injury, but, and Justin Watson is fine. Like he's a fifth wide receiver who can blow past a defender occasionally and catch a long touchdown, but he, he, he's not going to be a consistent guy. I would say that sky Moore is the one dude that, you look for the chiefs to try to get him more involved in the offense. And he could wind up being, as we get later in the season, like that consistent guy. But right now outside of Travis Kelsey, I don't feel confident in any of these guys other than like Patrick Mahomes is just going to make them better because he's Patrick Mahomes. So if I could kind of sum up what a little bit of what you're talking about, it's like, it seems like the chiefs outside of Kelsey kind of have a bunch of guys that are kind of up and down. And at some point, all of them, you, your fear, at least at some point, all of them are going to be down and that's going to end up to, to a bad and potentially costly game. Yeah. I, I feel like at some point they're going to run into a team who is, who does enough to shut down Travis Kelsey. And then it's okay. Who else is going to be the guy who else is going to step up and make plays. And I don't know that they've got that person right now. I mean, through, through the first month of the season, Clyde's been spectacular. Like he's just scoring touchdowns every single week <laughs> and he's been great. And he's finally been involved as a pass catcher and they need that. They desperately need that in the offense. Cause that's something they've been missing for several years now is those Andy Reed design screens to the running backs and those routes out of the backfield and stuff like that. Clyde's finally playing that role and he's been really good. The thing is like, he can't keep up this level of efficiency. Like it's just, we just know for a fact, it's not going to happen. Like he's playing, you know, roughly 40 to 60% of the snaps every game. And he keeps scoring touchdowns every game. Like it's just not going to continue to happen. So I kind of have two questions off of based off of what you talked about. The first kind of circling back to Travis Kelsey without Tyree kill. I imagine, you know, I always kind of viewed those guys as Jekyll and Hyde, right? Tyree kill takes the top and makes defenses play play deep and Travis Kelsey is able to get open underneath. So has Andy Reid had to like change how he gets Travis Kelsey open a little bit this year? Has it looked a little bit different with him? Yeah, I, they've been doing some, some more creative things. And I, I, again, I think this goes back to like Andy Reid, I think for a couple of years was a little too safe and secure and 
Mahomes will just find a way to get the ball to Hill or Kelsey. Like he, mm-hmm. he'll he'll fi- he'll find a way to to make a play happen. And I think we lost a little bit of that Andy Reid creativity. And so we've been seeing a lot more like multiple tight end looks. And you know it helps that they have a healthy Jody Fortson who like isn't a guy who's going to come out here and get a ton of targets, but he is an athletic pass catcher and he's a guy that Mahomes looks at and he's made some big plays this season. He's got a couple touchdowns on the year and we saw it last season before he tore his Achilles early on in the year. Like they want to utilize Jody Fortson and Jody Fortson is a pass catching threat. So he's a guy you have to pay attention to on the field. So I think we've seen more of those multiple tight end looks to try to help get Kelsey open. I also think that, you know, it's, Teams still thinking like a linebackers can cover Travis Kelsey. Like we saw it against the Bucks, where, you know, they have two really athletic, you know, good in good in the passing game linebackers in Devin White and Levante David. And they were like, well, they've been covering people all, all season long. Like they our defense has it has been dominant. We're only giving up nine points per game. They can cover Travis Kelsey. And then Travis Kelsey absolutely torched them in the first half of the game. And then the second half they started, you know, using a safety to help bracket him uh, with with the linebacker because they were like, okay, we can't keep getting torched by this dude. And then Mahomes still had a couple of downfield plays to Travis Kelsey where it was just like unbelievable ball where like he just put it in the perfect spot and there was nothing the defenders could do about it. And so there's going to be that each and every week, but Andy Reid is changing things up to try to get him open a little bit more. So that that is something that you have to pay attention to because they are changing up the offensive schemes a little bit. But I, I think it has more to do with the fact that now you got to worry about the running backs. Now, now you got to worry about Mahomes spreading the ball all over the field and you got to worry about these multiple tight ends, like which is something you haven't necessarily had to worry about in the last few years with this offense. So you kind of lead in pretty nicely there to my my second question here, which was about Clyde Edwards-Alaire and his involvement in the passing game. Because you know, I was just looking at the targets. I mean, he's almost already at where he was last year in 12 games. It's pretty close, just four games into the season. So I'm curious, how have the Chiefs gotten him more involved in the passing game? And what does that look like in their offense? So, I, I mean, he's running more routes, which coming into the season, I think we kind of were like, Clyde's going to be the early down back. And Jarek McKinnon's going to be the pass catching back because we saw last year in the playoffs, like Jarek McKinnon can excel at that. Like he he can be that dude and he's a pretty solid pass blocker. And when he stays healthy, he's on the field. Like he's a reliable pass catching third down running back. And Isaiah Pacheco, this intriguing seventh round rookie running back that they have is really explosive, really athletic. And he's a hard runner. He's hard to bring down. And so we were like, he'll get worked in. And that was kind of the case for the first couple of weeks. We saw a shift last week where they're still utilizing a running back by committee approach, but Isaiah Pacheco is kind of working himself back into that like early down role where he might be the best early down running back on the team. And maybe Clyde is actually the pass catcher and and McKinnon's just the extra body there. Um, So getting Clyde involved in the offense has just been a matter of they're actually using him as a pass catcher. Like he was used at LSU, which is the way we thought he was going to be utilized when he first got drafted. It's taken three years into his NFL career, um, (laughs) but they're finally using him that way. And they're finally dialing design things for him coming out of the backfield as a pass catcher. And they're finally like giving him routes in the offense, which is just something they didn't do for two years. And 
it's kind of been frustrating because we were like, we know he can do it. Like we've got plenty <laughs> of evidence that he can do it. And I don't know if it was, you know, he was really banged up his first couple of years in the season and he, and his first couple of years in the NFL and he he's finally healthy now. And so they have more confidence or if it was like him picking up Andy Reed's complicated offense and being reliable as a blocker and, and things like that. Like, it's finally all worked out, but I think what the Chiefs finally understood about Clyde is we can't use him as an every down running back. He's not built that way. He's just too small. Like, I mean, we're talking about a five, seven running back here and they're just like his body clearly can't take that. And so that's why he's not playing close to the amount of snaps that he was like when he was the full blown starting running back. Like I mentioned, he's He's playing like 40 to 60% of the snaps every game and they're using a more committee style approach. So I think that that has the biggest thing to do with it other than him actually just getting like opportunities in the passing game. You brought up Isaiah Pacheco and he's a guy that I was hearing a lot about almost too much about over the summer. I felt like he was having a really good training camp and was uh, all over the Twitter sphere over there for a while. So I'm curious, what does the seventh round rookie running back bring to the Chiefs offense? He's really intriguing. And so I think that shift that we saw against Tampa Bay, I think it was intentional. And, you know, Andy Reid said it earlier this week, like, you know, we just wanted to work him in slow. And this is the way Andy generally treats rookies on offense. Like he's just not going to give you a, a huge percentage of snaps out of the gate. Um, just not how he rolls. And in training camp, it was like, People weren't talking about Trent McDuffie and George Karloftis <laughs> and Sky Moore, like their high-end draft picks. People every day were like, Isaiah Pacheco made another play. Like he broke off a long run. He he caught this insane pass. Like it, it was, it seemed like every other day, like people were just raving about Isaiah Pacheco. And I think we're starting to see that shift to him in the offense where and this is a guy that played for Rutgers. So I think that had something to do with where he went in the draft. Like just in one of the worst college football programs <laughs> in the country. And, but he was generally like throughout his college career, like he put up pretty consistent numbers for a guy who was just playing in one of the worst programs in the nation. And his athletic scores were like off the charts for a guy that you get in the seventh round. So I think they kind of looked out there. Some of that comes into scouting, but He's a really intriguing player. Like he's a, a four, three guy. He's a bigger running back. He's like 210, 215 pounds and he's hard to tackle. So like, like I mentioned earlier, I think that we could start to see a shift as the season moves along where Isaiah Pacheco winds up being more of like their early down uh, running back where they want to get him carries because he's such a hard runner and he can be such an explosive playmaker for them. And we'll see Clyde kind of be that more consistent pass catching threat. And so far Clyde's been getting a lot of the early down stuff with Pacheco mixed in, but I think we're going to see a shift in that as the season goes on, because he does add a level of explosive playmaking ability that Clyde just doesn't have. Like Clyde has been good this season and he's shown a little bit more pop than he has over his first couple NFL seasons, but generally Clyde has just not been an explosive runner. Gosh. Well, let's talk about the trenches and I want to start with Orlando Brown. He and the chiefs obviously couldn't agree to a contract extension in the off season. So I'm curious, is he playing well enough to earn the big payday that he's looking for so far? No. Um, <laughs> so he is kind of dealing with the knee injury right now. And I don't think he was on the injury report last week, but 
he was leading up to the Colts game. And then Andy Reid admitted after the Colts loss, like uh, the knee was kind of bothering Orlando, but you know, he, he was good enough to play. So we wanted to make sure we got him out there like uh, against this tough defensive line or whatever. And he's been fine. Like he, he, he is exactly who I believe him to be. And like, He's like a top 10 left tackle in the NFL, but he's closer to nine or 10 than he is to, you know, the the third or fourth best left tackle in football. Like he's a pretty good run blocker. That's always been the best part of his game. He doesn't excel in pass blocking. And then an offense where you're going to lean on Patrick Mahomes to throw the football a lot. Like you, you need a guy who is a really good pass blocker. And that's just not his game. Like I think that Orlando Brown is kind of similar to Eric Fisher in a lot of ways. Like in Eric Fisher was a longtime successful left tackle here in Kansas city. Like he's just fine. Like he's reliable and you know, he's not a total liability, but he's not necessarily like a superstar left tackle. And maybe the knee injury is really hampering him. He was actually, he was really good against the Bucks, and they've got a great defensive line. I think that that had something to do with the fact that they had really struggled over the first three weeks of the season and Shaq Barrett kind of talking trash on them and saying uh, they looked like they did when we played them in the Super Bowl and we dominated them. And that was an offensive line built on nothing but backups because their offensive mm-hmm. line fell apart in the playoffs right. that year. So I, I think that that performance, like I, I think the Bucks gave them enough fuel and Andy Reid said he challenged them that week to be better because they had a really bad game against the Colts. So Brown has been fine. Like he's been exactly who I think he is. I don't think the Chiefs should make him one of the highest paid left tackles in football. I, I think they should probably let him walk. But if they inevitably do, I, I think that, you know, that's kind of the cost of doing business. Like you traded draft assets and capital for him. It's just a matter of how much you're willing to ac- actually pay him because I don't think he should be one of the three highest paid left tackles in football. On the other side, I saw Andrew Wiley's been starting at right tackle, who Max Crosby kind of had his way with it uh, in the games last year. So I'm curious, how has Wiley grown since last season? Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So he's actually been pretty good. Like I've been pretty impressed with Andrew Wiley and he's been somebody that Andy Reid has always loved because you can move him around. He can play multiple positions on the offensive line. Like Andrew Wiley is a really good backup kind of, uh, offensive lineman who you can put in multiple places and swing feel tackle, okay. Right? Yeah, like you you feel good about him. You feel like you're he's not going to be a total liability on your quarterback being out there. But he's still Andrew Wiley. Like he can still get beat. Like he can still have bad games. He had a bad game against the Colts too. Their whole offensive line did. Um, but you know he he is who he is. Like I, I think that they really hoped that they were going to get more out of rookie fifth round pick Darian Kennard, um when they drafted him. I think that there's kind of the stop process here in Kansas city. Like they got Trey Smith in the sixth round last year mm-hmm. and, you know, they drafted Creed Humphrey, like, and they've got this impressive track record uh, of drafting these middle round offensive linemen who wind up being contributors. And 
Darian Kennard is a, a player who like after training camp, people were like, he's going to get cut because he was running with the, like the fourth team all, all throughout the preseason. And so I, I think that they were really hopeful that they were going to get more out of him than they actually got. And so now they're kind of stuck with Andrew Wiley at right tackle and you just got to roll with it and hope for the best. And so far he's been pretty good. And yeah, I mean, you're, you're getting everything that you can hope to get out of Andrew Wiley, but if he gets exposed at some point here down the line, you're just kind of like, well, we knew it was going to happen sooner or later. You just, you just got to ride with it and hope for the best. Gotcha. I was a big Darian Kennard fan of the draft, so I'm not exactly thrilled to hear that, but I am thrilled to hear that he, that that's happening with the Chiefs at least. So Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So real quick before we move on to defense, the interior three guys of Trey Smith, Creed Humphrey, and Joe Tooney. Is there a weak link between those three? I would I would love to say no. Right now it's probably Trey Smith. Um, Interesting. But he, so he suffered an ankle injury in week one of the NFL season. And I think it's really been bothering him. Like, I think that he's just playing through it right now. And, and he's been kind of off and on the injury report, limited practices and stuff, but he hasn't missed any time. Like he, he's been playing through it and he was better. The the whole offensive line w- was just better uh, last week against the Bucs in a really tough matchup. And again, I think that comes back to like, Andy Reid challenged them. Shaq Barrett was super disrespectful to them, like literally laughed at them in a press conference and said, oh, yeah, we're going to it's going to be like our best game of the season. Like we're we're all going to showcase what we can do as a defensive line. And so I think that pissed all of them off and, and everybody showed up and played a much better game than they had the week before. But when Trey Smith is healthy, I'm still really confident that he is like an excellent guard. Like I still think that the interior of their offensive line is the strongest part of their offensive line. And that's why we've seen them have more success in the running game this year is because Andy Reed last, last year, they just, they struggled so much running the football that this year, Andy Reed finally acknowledged, like we got to take the ball out of Mahomes' hands sometimes and, and take these running plays that are there and, and easy for us to get. And we saw them put up 189 yards against an elite bucks run defense. Like, I think I think the Bucks hadn't given up that many yards since like 2018 on the ground or something like that. Like that that defensive line has been dominant against a run for five years in a row. And the Chiefs were fantastic in that regard. So when the interior of the Chiefs offensive line is healthy, uh, I do think that they are one of the best interiors in the NFL. So as long as Trey Smith gets back and he's healthy, I'm still totally confident that he'll be an excellent player. Switching sides of the ball. Is there any hope for Raider fans that Chris Jones is slowing down at some point? Uh, hopefully not this season. Um, <laughs> he's been excellent this year and he did struggle a, a little bit against Tampa Bay, whereas he over the first three weeks of the season, like he was just a menace, like blowing plays up, getting sacks and, and just looking dominant. And then, you know, he did recover a fumble uh, against Tampa Bay, and it was off of a blitz by cornerback Legarius Sneed where he sacked Tom Brady, and then Chris Jones was there to scoop up the fumble. Um, but he's been really good. He, he, he's he been really, really good this season, and he was honest about it. Like, Chris Jones, I think there's a case to be made that he's the second best, you know, interior pass rusher outside of Aaron Donald in the NFL and has been for the last several years. But his big problem is that he disappears for long stretches of time where you're just like, is Chris Jones even playing today? Cause like, I haven't seen him once. Like I haven't, I haven't seen him involved in the defense whatsoever. And 
this season he hasn't been doing that. Like it seems like you can point to several plays a game where you're like that play was blown up strictly because of Chris Jones. And I think the biggest thing that's helped him this season is he's finally looks good in the run game. Like that's always been his issue is that like great interior pass rusher, great athletic defensive lineman who's so quick for someone his size but he was always way more interested in trying to get to the quarterback than he cared about trying to stop the run game. And this season he's been really invested in stopping the run game. And I, I, I think it's helped overall with the personnel that the chiefs have now that their run defense has actually just been really good this season, which is something has not been good under spags for several years running mm-hmm. now. Um, but I think that's been the biggest thing with him too, is that we're seeing when he's actually an all around player and not just trying to get to the quarterback all the time, he's having a bigger impact on the game overall. And I think that's been the most impressive part of him. So I think that Chris Jones is going to keep moving and being excellent this season, hopefully. And he doesn't go on this long stretch where we don't hear his name for a while. So at edge, the chiefs have an interesting collection of guys like George Carlaftis, Frank Clark, and Carlos Dunlap, who has emerged as the press rusher to take some pressure off of Jones. I would say it's George, Um, you know, Carlos Dunlap, I think has been impressive, but at this stage of his career and the way Spags likes to utilize their pass rushers, like he never has their defensive ends in for like 90% of the snaps. Like if you look at their snap counts after every game, it's like the highest any of them get is like maybe 70%, but it's usually like 35, 40, 60 for the more veteran guys. And Dunlap is kind of, right sandwiched in that like 35 to 40%. Like he's a veteran player. He's a situational pass rusher. They're kind of utilizing him the way they utilized Melvin Ingram last season. Like he's not a guy that's going to get a a huge snap total, but you try to put him in, in key situations and and hope that he has an impact. And he has so far uh, this season when he's been on the football field, but it's George Karloftis. Like, I think that George Karloftis is their best defensive end right now. Like, I think he's better than Frank Clark. Um, Frank Frank Clark just at this stage of his career just doesn't look like he has that much left in the tank. And, you know, he spent this offseason like getting in shape and saying he changed his diet and he's eating healthier than he ever has and all of that stuff. But it feels like it's kind of too little too late at this stage in his career. Mm-hmm. Like he can still get a sack every now and then he, he he can still make a play here and there, but he just doesn't look like he has that much juice left. And, you know, George is the high motor guy. He's the guy that like, just never gives up on a play. Like he's just relentlessly trying to get to the quarterback. And we've seen him make plays because of that. He's batted a couple of balls at the line of scrimmage. He's gotten a couple of sacks. Like he he's made an impact on this defense. I think the biggest issue with the chiefs pass rushers is that they don't necessarily have anybody right now who is like, they're explosive off the edge. They got a lot of powerful guys that can try to bull rush you or get effort sacks. They don't have a lot of guys that are reliable, like, explosively coming off the edge, going to get to your quarterback in a second and a half or something like that. At linebacker, what is Kansas city missing without Willie gay and who replaces him? Um, So right now it's Darius Harris, who uh, is kind of a veteran guy who's been on the chiefs practice squad. And, you know, he finally got his opportunity in the last couple of weeks to step in and play for the chiefs. And he's actually been pretty good. Like he's a good run stopping linebacker, they're missing uh, what they're missing in Willie Gay is that they don't have a linebacker who can play in pass coverage. Like 
they, they just don't have that dude right now. And the way Spags has been trying to combat that is b- by giving us more safety looks and putting more safeties on the field because Willie Gay was the only linebacker that they had in this defense who could play sideline to sideline and who could drop into coverage and actually make plays like that. Like it, it's just not Nick Bolton. It's not Darius Harris. It's not Elijah Lee or, or Leo Chanel. Like it, it's just none of those dudes on the roster. And I, I think that Nick Bolton is a really good linebacker, but he's an around the line of scrimmage kind of player. Like he's not a guy you want in pass coverage. And so that's a matchup you can absolutely exploit this week that, that I would be worried about is those linebackers in coverage because they don't have a guy who's good at it at the moment. Good to know. Good to know. So at least we have one thing that we can, uh, we can attack for this one. But you brought up Nick Bolton, and he's kind of had this pretty interesting career arc where he's kind of seems like he's a merging superstar, especially as a run defender. Can you kind of go over what his career arc has been so far? Yeah, so as a rookie, and you know, he was struggling to get on the field, and part of that was the Chiefs had veteran linebacker Anthony Hitchens last season, who they paid way too much money to. He wasn't a very good linebacker ever for them. Like he had his moments, but he just wasn't that great of a player, and it was a bad contract for the most part. But Once the Chiefs finally started getting Nick Bolton involved, like we saw him step up and kind of start to make plays. The problem was they were putting him in pass coverage and he was getting exposed. Once he was able to step in and kind of fill that Anthony Hitchens role and just be this uh, around the line of scrimmage run defender, that's what he excels at. And this year he has really taken a leadership role on that defense. Like you talk to the guys in the locker room and they acknowledge like, Nick Bolton is calling the plays on the field. Like Nick Bolton is somebody that we look up to and he's somebody that helps everybody on the defense, make sure they're all where they need to be. Like he has really stepped into a leadership role in year number two, which has been really impressive for such a young player. And right now he's excelling in that position in, in being the guy with the green dot on his helmet and calling the defensive plays and, and getting guys in positions where they need to be. And as long as he's not in pass coverage and he's around the line of scrimmage, like he is a really fun, exciting player to watch. Just don't put him in that situation where he's (laughs) going to get exposed because we know that's not his game. Like that's not what he's good at. But I I do agree with you. I I think that Nick Bolton and when they get Willie Gay back, like I think these Chiefs linebackers are really ascending talents in the NFL. In the secondary, I know the last time you were on here, you were stoked to be able to talk about Rashad Fenton. So I was going to give you another opportunity to stand on your soapbox and tell the world and tell at least Raider fans um, about how well he's played so far in 2022. He's been okay. Um, he, he struggled a little bit. Um, so what we're seeing so far this season with this Chiefs cornerback group is that they're really struggling against big physical wide receivers against the guys that are just bigger, stronger, faster than they are. Like they really struggled against Mike Williams. They really struggled against Michael Pittman. They struggled last week against Mike Evans. Like these guys that are just bigger than they are, they're really struggling against for the most part. They've been okay. Um, Rashad Fenton is still kind of like that veteran outside corner for them. And this is the first season where, you know, last season they had Charvarius Ward, who they kind of leaned on more is that one-on-one guy. And Charvarius Ward's a little bit of a, a bigger corner who had a little bit more size and length. Rashad Fenton's just small and kind of where he excelled last season and was kind of playing more of that outside, like nickel inside kind of hybrid role where he was kind of shifting around a little bit. And this season, they're pretty much asking him to play exclusively outside. And we've seen him struggle a little bit more this year. But 
for the most part, he's been okay, but he he's gotten exposed a couple of times here and there. So what can you tell us about the chiefs other corners? Because they aren't as strong or they are, they aren't exactly a strong group or at least not a whole lot of re- name recognition on paper. So first round rookie cornerback Trent McDuffie is on IR. He suffered a hamstring injury in week one, and hopefully they'll get him back at some point in the season. We don't, we don't really know when that's going to be at this point, but he looked really good in the preseason and looked really good prior to going down in week one. So I think they've got high, high expectations for him, but he's certainly not going to be available this week. He's not going to be somebody that Raiders fans will have to worry about until possibly later in the season. Right now, it's Legereus Sneed and rookie seventh-round cornerback Jalen Watson. And so we knew this was going to be an issue coming into the season here in Kansas City. Like, I was initially worried that Rashad Fenton was not going to be healthy because he started the uh, he started training camp on the pup, and there was kind of no word when he was going to be back. And the Chiefs were being weird about it, but he wound up coming back. But then McDuffie gets hurt and goes on IR, and. They have a rookie fourth round cornerback in Joshua Williams and then rookie seventh round Jalen Watson. And everybody thought Joshua Williams was going to kind of step into that role, but he struggled quite a bit during the preseason and he came from a smaller HBCU college. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think the competition level has been something that he struggled to get acclimated to, but they still have high hopes for him at some point. And we might see him more in the defense as the season goes on. But Jalen Watson's been really impressive. He had the 99-yard pick six uh, against the Los Angeles Chargers. Spags raved about him in training camp, and that's why he stepped into the McDuffie role. And, you know, he got burned by Mike Evans a couple of times in that football game, but it's like Mike Evans, and he's a rookie seventh-round <laughs> right. cornerback. So you're like, well, what what can we get out of him? Like, exactly. he, he's already paid dividends for what we invested in him in the seventh-round pick, like that game-winning play against the Chargers. So... He's been fine. Like he's been impressive for a rookie seventh round cornerback. And that's all you can ask about him. But I, I would have to imagine, you know, if you're the Raiders and you're getting Devontae Adams open, you probably want him uh, on Jalen Watson as much as possible. So how has Justin Reed replaced Tyron Matthew beyond just being an impressive kicker? Uh, well, I mean, the kicking has really been the most <laughs> fun part. Um, now, I, I mean, I think that, the biggest role that he's filled on this defense and you know, he's, he's been okay uh, so far. Like he, his name hasn't come up a lot, I I guess. Like, like you haven't necessarily noticed him getting burned or like, or like necessarily making a significant play. Um, I, I think the biggest role that he's honestly filled is like the leadership role that Tyron Matthew had in that locker room. Like Justin Reed is just, a really smart veteran football player who is, who knows how to carry himself as a professional athlete and like knows how to be a presence and an example for the guys in that locker room. And I think that's been the most impressive part of him so far. I, I think the plays on the defensive side of the ball are probably coming at some point, but it, it's been kind of a quiet start to the season for him. But I, I think some of that just has to do with the fact that like, he's in the right places when you need him to be like he he's in the right situations. And so you're not necessarily seeing his name get brought up a lot during games, but I think it's just because he's always where he needs to be. And so maybe he's not having quarterbacks throw at him a ton, or, you know, he's making plays around the line of scrimmage in the run game, which is kind of more his game than it was necessarily Tyron Matthews, who like, you know, Matthew was so good in coverage and, and so good at kind of being all over the field. Like, 
that's not necessarily what Justin Reed does. He he's more of a box safety who can play around the line of scrimmage and, and get you big time tackles and stuff like that. So that's kind of how they've been utilizing him. Juan Thornhill has kind of been the guy that they're like, okay, we need you to man up this tight end, or we need you to play deep and kind of be our center fielder and go back and forth and try and try to play deep to make plays down the field. It hasn't really necessarily been Justin Reed so far. So if I can kind of sum up what you're saying a little bit, the the leadership aspect, which I knew know was a big part of Tyron Matthews game in Kansas City at least too, is still there. But it seems like maybe there's not they're missing a little bit of a that playmaking safety that kind of come up with those clutch interceptions that Tyron Matthew is known for. Yeah, like I, I think the Chiefs defense has been really good so far this season, but the biggest issue so far is that they're not forcing turnovers. Like they did have the one fumble against Brady, but they're just not really getting interceptions. They're not, they're not getting a ton of fumbles. Like you want to see this defense for as good as they've been. Maybe the turnovers are coming, but you want to see them force more turnovers. And I think it starts in the secondary with guys like Reed and Thornhill trying to make more plays and get more interceptions and things like that. So my last question is kind of a little bit of a twofold question here. If you had to pick one thing on offense and one thing on defense that the Raiders absolutely have to do to win on Monday night, what would you pick? Um, well, on defense, I think that Max Crosby and Chandler Jones just have to get to Patrick Mahomes. Like you, you just have to put pressure on him. And the Chiefs, for as good as they looked against Tampa Bay, like they spent the first three weeks of the season kind of getting exposed on the edge and, and having issues like Orlando Brown and Andrew Wiley struggle with speed rushers. And, you know, I, I know Crosby is kind of uh, more of like a power guy, just like menace coming off the edge. And like Chandler Jones is maybe more like that speed rusher, but those are the guys that they really struggle with. And so that that's obviously where you got to attack them uh, defensively is just try to get to Patrick Mahomes and try to put pressure on them coming off the edge. They've also struggled against blitzes quite a bit more this season than they did last year. Mahomes is still excellent against the blitz because he's so Mm -hmm. good at getting outside the pocket and making plays, but they've given up a lot of pressure and he's taken a lot of hits on blitzes this year. Um, Offensively, I I just think that you have to exploit the chiefs cornerbacks. Um, You know, they've been really good in the run game, which is like I mentioned earlier is something that they've really struggled against over the last couple of years. I know Josh Jacobs is coming off of a really monster game and he's been really good this season for the Raiders, Um, but they've been good uh, against the run. So I don't think that's necessarily where you beat them. I I think where you beat them is with Waller and and Adams and, and challenging these corners that aren't necessarily an elite group right now. And you know, trying to get Waller in matchups with Nick Bolton and Darius Harris and those linebackers who aren't as good at covering the way that uh, Willie Gay is right now. And Willie Gay is not going to be here this week. He's not going to be here for the next few weeks. So I I think those two matchups, like if you find a way to feed Devontae Adams and Waller and try to exploit those matchups, I think you could find a lot of offensive success. Awesome. Well, thank you again, Stephen, for hopping on the podcast. Raider fans, we always want to keep tabs on the enemy, wanting to know what's going on over there in Kansas City. So why don't you go ahead and tell us uh, where we can find you? Yeah, um, you can follow all of our work at arrowheadpride.com. If you really want to listen to our podcasts and kind of <laughs> chart what we're talking about in preparation for this matchup, you can do that. Uh, you can find find us on Apple and Spotify at Arrowhead Pride. We've got a ton of work coming out. So we've got plenty of stuff coming out this week for the Raiders. Awesome. Thanks again, man.
Like you guys know where to find me on Twitter, Adam Holder95. Make sure you're following Silver and Black Pride too. Other than that, until next week, guys. <laughs>